1: Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. It is my absolute pleasure to have as my guest today the amazing Jessica Hickman. Now, Jessica is the founder of Bullyology and she's known globally as the Bullyologist. She's worked across the UK and Australia in multiple industries, uh, numerous organizations across public and private sectors and she's really known for her work delivering an improved uh, workplace culture um, that has enabled uh, multiple industry awards. The anti-bullying methodology that Jessica has created, Bullyology, has been derived from personal experiences and meticulous research. And she is absolutely dedicated to breaking the silence on bullying while striving to promote healthy workplace relationships. She's an author and a podcast host herself. And the reason I'm so excited about having Jessica on the podcast today is because often when we're talking about unleashing brilliance, of, of how do we all individually live and lead a life of brilliance um, where we're doing the things that we want to do in the way that we want to do it, often we are up against um, a society, an industry, other people that don't necessarily want that in us or want us to conform. And that's when we start entering relationships that can sometimes uh, destroy our dreams and hold us back from our goals that we have for ourselves. So it's an absolute joy to have on the show today. Jessica, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's exciting. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Oh, she's still there. I thought she disappeared for, for a minute then. No, uh, some of you can probably uh, pick up on the fact <laughs> Jessica's, Jessica is not from Australia as uh,
0: many of us. Where are you from, Jessica? I'm from Wales. So I um, grew up in the UK and moved to Australia six years ago.
1: And um, we love having you here. Now, thinking back, Jessica, um, when you were growing up in Wales, what, were the, what was the big vision and dream that you had for yourself?
0: I think I always had a thirst and hunger for travel. Growing up, I was super curious. I was doing a lot of volunteer work and I was lucky enough when I was about 14 to go on an international study um, to Amsterdam for the local government. So I think that exposure to kind of other cultures and legislation and laws um, really drove my social impact mission and from a, a young age, I was always involved in travel, going to different places. So I think I had a vision to live overseas. Um, and I actually did want to be a psychologist when I was younger. Um, and it's super interesting now I've kind of stepped into a space where I'm looking at different things that when I was younger, I didn't achieve at a young age.
1: It's fascinating, isn't it? When you, you track back and they, I think there is always a link somewhere back, uh, in terms of what you're, what you're doing now and your, uh, passion about people and people operating from the best space, um, is, 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 is definitely playing out now in the work that you're doing. So, so what um? What is the watershed moment that that took you from working? Well, first of all, what were you doing corporately? What were you doing when were you doing, uh, a, a proper yeah. job, as it were?
0: A proper job, yeah. So my background in the UK was youth and community. A proper group. job. Yeah. So my background. Um, It has changed into the corporate. I, in the UK, I was working for the local government and council running youth dropping projects. So I kind of was mentored into that role without knowing I was being mentored from that young age. So by the time I was 23, I was running two youth dropping centres for the local government. I was also, I was doing this part time while studying my youth and community degree and also working full-time as office manager for a construction company. So I was waiting for full-time positions to come up in the youth sector. So I decided to take a career break and come to Australia um, for three to six months travel. Still had both of my positions in the UK. But when I arrived in Australia, I fell in love with the place, as you do So I travelled for a while and I got a call to offer me a position working in Darwin um, in the resources industry, so the oil and gas industry. So I had worked in the construction in the UK for a while, but this position was different. They were offering me to do a HR role and it would be on site um, in the rural Darwin, which was very different to what I'd been exposed to in the UK in the fly-in, fly-out industry. And... So I took the position, I jumped at it, and there, day one on the job, um, my position became a little bit different to what I expected. And it was on induction, I heard the the buzzword that was used, which was suicide. And it was men in the industry. Unfortunately, there was a high rate of suicide. So my position um, altered to the fact that I made a commitment to myself that my time on the project, I would bring in my I guess my youth work background and understanding of social impact issues to bring it to this very male dominated industry and develop a nurturing culture based program that would sit alongside my HR role and multiple other roles I had there and really kind of nurture the workforce and find out why suicide was an issue within the industry and see what impact I could have in my time there to help support the workers through the transition of living away from home for long periods of time in camps. So it was a very challenging yet rewarding role. And and what was,
1: so th- for those of you that don't live in Australia, Darwin is a long way away. Uh, um, it's a culturally uh, and incredibly uh, diverse community, particularly I'm imagining if you're working Within that fly in, fly out community, um, and a lot, and the industry that you were in was was incredibly male dominated. Um, what was the watershed moment for you, Jessica, that has um, actually um, affected uh, what you are doing today? The change that you made.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So the moment the kind of, I say, moment, but it was a three-and-a-half-year old deal. Um, I suffered extensive workplace bullying within that industry. and um, People often ask me, oh, is it because it was a male-dominated industry and you were a female? And my answer to that is yes and no. What I developed on the project, um, I started to receive massive recognition for. Within the first six months, I was stood in front of the Minister of the Northern Territory nominated for Young Achiever, raising money for families, um, interstate, but more importantly, providing support for men um, and women that were suffering mental health concerns or feeling suicidal. So six months in, my watershed moment was when I had a new HR manager join our team and he did not believe that women should be within power And also uh, should be seen and not heard. So I had developed myself as a strong, confident female in the industry that was really disrupting change, getting massive feedback from the client. So I kind of propelled past my position as such. I was being called upon to visit other subcontractors on the project. So if you can imagine, there was two large clients with 32 small subcontractor companies. And I developed programs where I was going around the other companies, running workshops, speaking on what makes a successful culture program. So when this person joined, um, he became one of the senior leaders within our organization. And his mindset was, you know, men should be weak, uh, shouldn't be weak. Toughen up, and also because I was becoming super successful, he started to to bully me in respect of sabotage my work, um, accused me of, for better terms, sleeping with people. Um, you know, adverse workplace relationships, sabotaging my work, and it progressively got worse over three and a half year period.
1: And how did all of that make you feel, Jessica? I
0: guess confused um, for someone who has always put other people's happiness first wanting to help the people I, I really couldn't understand and I guess it was a pride or maybe an ego thing that I didn't want to believe for the first I guess year that I was suffering workplace bullying I didn't understand much about workplace bullying at the time and it if it caused a lot of different confusion and emotion in me. And people always say to me, why didn't you just leave? And for anyone living in Australia, from outside of Australia, you know that you're on a workplace visa. So I kind of, my livelihood was tied to the company. So I felt this immense pressure Mm. that I didn't want to be pushed out of an organisation for doing a good job, let alone a country. And the second was I was doing Mm. such valuable work Every person that thanked me for potentially saving their life or for the work I was doing, I realized I was there for a higher purpose other than this. And also, um, I didn't just want to walk out on the organization because I was fearful that someone would end their life and it would be my fault. And it sounds crazy now I'm out of the situation, but people who knew what was going on would say, if you leave, you're the only one that people trust to speak to about these Um, Issues And if you leave, we will lose our management or upper management support. So I felt like the the glue within the organization. Um, So it it was really hard and I made the commitment to put my own happiness aside. But anyone who's worked in a toxic workplace environment will understand that there are a long chain of psychological and physical and emotional effects of being in that toxic environment for a long period of time. And I did eventually um, develop severe anxiety, symptoms close to PTSD where I would have nightmares at night of not only someone ending their life, but me being deported. Um, It would be my fault when you're programmed for a three and a half year period that you're doing something wrong when you weren't. It's crazy how the mind Mm. and the body reacts. Um, And when you asked how I felt in the physical was very... um, Very, at the time, I suffered a long chain of physical effects from gut health to repetitive strain injury to physically feeling burnt out, constantly sick. And unfortunately, in June 2017, I did end up in hospital where I collapsed in the workplace and they thought my appendix had ruptured. But what had actually happened was I had a stress-related anxiety attack and my body went, enough is enough. And that was my pivot point when I realized I needed to leave the organization for my own physical and mental health. And that was a, a shock to the system, as you can imagine. I can. My gosh. I'm, and
1: is your, is your story one of extreme or have you come across evidence of more people experiencing similar Levels of bullying in the workplace
0: unfortunately, I would like to say that this is an extreme case, but day in day out, I speak to people who are, have such severe PTSD or physical and, and you know psychological damage that they are unable to return to the workforce and there are some strategies and tools that I found you know midway through my bullying that I believe have built me. Um, into being able to, to view the experience as a, as, a positive experience and, you know, overcoming that adversity. Um, but unfortunately there's, there's people, um, that I speak to that didn't find strategies and tools such as meditation and holistic healing that have, you know, ended up severely damaged, which they see no end to. And unfortunately people do end their life because of bullying. Um, and it's very, very common in organizations. And that's that's the struggle I have at the moment with getting organizations to understand.
1: So, so your work now, tell me about the work that you do now.
0: Yeah, so following that experience, I decided that I, I could either stay a victim of my circumstances and let my bully determine the rest of my life. Um, Or I could use the adversity as my greatest strength and power and propel me into um, what I could create, which was Bullyology, which was my platform and outlet to share my story, but also encourage people to speak up and really empower organizations to really address the elephant in the room and address the kind of culture that's swept under the carpet and my work now, um, I work with companies and individuals to help develop tools and strategies and engagements that enable them to create thriving workplaces. So I, I go into organizations and run workshops. I do a lot of consultancies, which are consultancy programs, which are working with the, uh, the organization for a long period of time to really develop their senior leaders and management team to have early intervention strategies to understand the effects of toxic workplace and know how to address them because often organizations and my managers who stood by and watched what was happening weren't necessarily bad people, not at all. They just didn't have the school, the tools, skills and knowledge to understand how to deal with the bully and how to work towards strategies to eliminate, eliminate the toxic workplace culture. So from that experience, I've now done a lot of research i've gone around the world and had uh, conversations with senior leaders and business owners and ceos and said okay so where are the gaps is it education is it intervention is it prevention and how can we work together to raise the level of knowledge i guess and emotional intelligence to understand the effects because it's often not talked about in organizations what sort
1: of anyone listening to this uh, podcast may I'm sure now won't be wanting me to ask um, particularly if they are experiencing bullying what are what are the key strategies that you would suggest and equally from an organizational point of view if you've come in to run a team or lead a team and you have inherited um, a toxic culture, some of the strategies that work there. But before I get there, what are the stats when it comes to the amount of people that are experiencing some form of bullying um, or not, or, or some form of bullying in the workplace? What are the stats? Yeah.
0: So the stats are that almost half of Australians will suffer bullying um, at least once within their working career. And it's looking at now a um, younger generation of people suffer bullying And often they find that young people step into a workplace, and especially in apprentices. Look, I was in the construction industry and we've got the old school behaviours and mentalities. And sometimes young people don't know that this isn't leadership. It's actually workplace bullying. And they often don't know where to turn. And now we're seeing a rise in ageism, ageism, bullying as well, with technology coming in. So workplace bullying... and um, is a $36 billion per annum industry um, where the average of time off is 15.7 well, weeks due to workplace-related stress. So if we look at the stats of a big organisation, if there is a toxic workplace culture, nearly half the organisation are going to take time off because of that uh, on an average of 15.7 weeks. It's it's a real issue for organisations. And this it's hard to actually put pinpoint the stats because often when there's a toxic workplace culture, especially in my um, experience, I was often at work and suffering presentism where I was too frightened to take days off, even when I was really sick because the bullying would get even worse. But I would often sit at my desk and I was completely numb and I was still a high achiever. <laughs> not sure how I achieved it, but there was times when I'd sit at my desk for full 12-hour shifts and just be so numb and nervous that I couldn't actually think straight. So when we think about the productivity and how bullying damages our top line, it's just a real issue. So what tips have you got? First of all, let's
1: start with the organization, the leaders that may be um, in charge of culture and yet there is that toxic environment going on. What are what are maybe the top three tips that you would give for leaders in businesses where they're trying to create a much more uh, effective working environment?
0: So my first tip would be you really need to look under the hood of your culture within the organization. And that would be, you know, engaging with an organisation, obviously such as myself, where we come in and we work with the senior leadership team and we develop a plan and a strategy to roll out a wider culture-based programme. So that could be, you know, the initial thing that we do is um, do culture-based um, interviews, where we have chats with senior leadership team and people at all levels of the organisation, so we can get a gauge of what's really happening within the organisation. And the next thing we have is the orientation, which is a three-hour workshop where all people in the organization can go through that. we. And and what I do different is, and the way I've shifted um, is moving from training, because anyone can train on the subject by talking about stats and showing a couple of slides. But what I do is facilitate a conversation, so we can actually come up with strategies that are suitable to that organisation, because because it's not a one size fits all organisation, especially across different industries. So, first one, you know, is engage in a culture survey. Uh, the second is have an orientation to the topic because often people don't know what bullying is and what bullying isn't. And this is super important to me because people often get nervous when they hear the word bullying close up and say we haven't got this within our organization. And the reason why I work with senior leadership teams is mm. I think it's equally important to talk about what isn't bullying. And being in management positions myself, we know that sometimes in the in our organizations we have um highly sensitive individuals that if you are performance managing them that they will say they're being bullied and harassed so it's equally important to develop managers and senior leaders to understand what is bullying and what is not and how to reasonably manage employees as well so we don't actually create a culture where people feel like they're being bullied when they're actually not so I I come from a balanced support um a balanced Mm um mindset really of working with organizations to support them to eliminate bullying but also educate people on what is and what isn't bullying because i think often and hr teams i work with are often inundated with bullying claims and often they're just people being performance management so how to nip them on the bed with early intervention so they don't escalate and then these people start to onboard others and then all of a sudden the toxic culture is created um, so, yeah, so they're my kind of tips of how I would begin working with them. And next- then, what, and then, thank you. And then, what about people that may be
1: listening to it and going, I'm actually struggling right now? What are the, the top tips you would give to people that may um, actually be in the place where they are being bullied?
0: Yeah. So, I would tell everyone to visit my website and I've got a free downloadable resource there, which is my five steps of survival and thrive, to have to survive and thrive during workplace bullying. And the first one is observe. So I encourage people to observe the bullying from a third party perspective. And this allowed me to kind of step outside of the bullying and document it, which is number two accurately. So often when we're suffering bullying, we are just kind of absorbed in the emotion and when I looked at it from a third party perspective and documented it from that state of mind, I was able to, to get a clear mindset. So when documenting which is number two is document facts so witnesses, time date, what was said, but also document the emotion. and this was a big mistake I made and I did report my bullying 32 times upper management <laughs> and mixed results. But that's another story. Um, I went in from an emotional state. So I was crying. I was like, please help me. He's doing this. He's doing this. He threw a folder at me. And I came from a very emotional state. And especially in my industry, it was kind of toughen up princess. But when I started to get super educated on the facts around bullying and document from a factual perspective with names, dates, collect emails, phone logs, and also the stats around how bullying affects the organization. That's when I started to get being taken serious. So observe, document. And the third one mm-hmm. is protect yourself. So try to avoid private conversations like the plague. Speak up for yourself where you can and also know your rights. Familiarize yourself with the bullying policies, the anti-discrimination laws, and know your rights and responsibilities within the organization. Because this is super helpful when you're reporting it or you can challenge your bully and say, hey, look, I think this has been breached. But also it is mindful that when you are being bullied, that sometimes can be hard. And uh, the fourth one is research. So seek out some self-education about courses and why you can get help. For me, I, it took me a very long time to step outside of the organization and actually get help. When I actually found support group and network and holistic healing meditation groups, that is when I could actually start to manage my emotions and and go through my healing process. Um, A pivot point was also when I researched where to get help. And I went to the Working Women Centre in Darwin. And I, I begged them for help. <laughs> they had a big caseload. But when I actually finally got an appointment with them and I showed them my statement, which is eight pages long of my bullying experience, she looked up and and, and just said, this is the worst case of bullying and harassment I've ever seen. And that was a point where I just, my whole body started shaking. So I finally felt like I had help outside of the organisation. And the fifth one is what will be an upstander. So I think that bullying is a topic that we only explore if it's happening to us or a loved one. And sometimes we just want to just not associate with bullying or harassment. But by being an upstander, and I have a whole programme on this, it's there's three people in a bullying incident. There's the bully, the target victim, but also the bystanders. And people have two choices, whether they are a harmful bystander or a helpful upstander against bullying. So people can be upstanders by learning what to do in a bullying incident. And for me, I couldn't understand how grown men and women were allowing this bullying, which was openly open abuse in the office, how people were allowing this to happen to a young girl. I was 23 when I joined the organization between 23 and 27. I was like, why are people allowing this to happen? But people didn't know how to be upstanders against bullying. They didn't know how to help me. They didn't know what to do. So within my upstander program, it's, you know, educate yourself against bullying, know where to get help if one of your family or colleagues suffer bullying. It could just be directing them to the bullying and harassment policy or being um, someone that sits with them and has a cup of coffee and says to to them, I know what is happening. Are you okay? Because when people did do that for me, that kind of, was comforting just to know that someone is there. And even now, I understand about the bystander effect and why people don't intervene. And it is often because they are frightened of their livelihood. Research has shown when a ha- when helpful bystanders, upstanders intervene, 57% of bullying incidents will stop in the first 10 seconds. So the upstanders could be, and never happen again. So the upstanders, um, learning to be an upstander could be a significant part in helping people survive and thrive during bullying, especially with over almost half of Australians will suffer bullying in their working career.
1: It's, it's fascinating, isn't it, that, as you said, the stats are so high. And as I said right at the beginning of this, this introduction, this podcast is all about how do we unleash brilliance. And so it's, you know, your passion around this space, Jessica, is is phenomenal. Um, your story and how you're using that to help other people um, overcome or create better environments that will disable uh, bullying um, is is insane. And what I really love is your passion for empowering and driving change. So as we sort of wrap up this podcast, my my last question to you is linked to this concept of unleashing brilliance. How do you believe that, um, what what do you believe unleashing brilliance is all about and therefore, why is it so important that that we create environments that allow individuals and people to to thrive?
0: Yeah. So when I think of unleashing um, brilliance, I think of. Often in organizations, we kind of suppress who we really are. And for me, I suppressed the bullying for a long time because I didn't feel like that was a significant part of me that I wanted to share. And when I decided to kind of like unleash that power within me, that was a point where I realized that sometimes our adversity and our greatest challenges are our greatest success or triumphs. So I just think that people need to be given a platform to unleash the kind of brilliance within them that sometimes isn't always when we think of brilliance, we think of what we're really great at or what we've achieved. But I think sometimes our brilliance can be our greatest pain. And when I think of that, I think that my brilliance now is what I've gone through to get me through to this journey and what I'm about to go through as I grow my business as well and i try to see my my pain and my struggles in business as as a kind of a brilliance or a power so i know that whatever life will throw at me hurdles that day or week or month i know that i can use that as a growth platform to step into my greatest power i love that jessica i think you've you've
1: captured it and hit the nail on the head that all of us have uh, shadows we're all living life um, and with life comes incredible experiences, um, and things that work well for us and equally things that don't work well for us. And what is useful is to determine, uh, what that next step is, um, to both own our strengths, uh, but equally to become aware of, of the things that haven't been great, but turning them around so that they become, um, part of our, Multifaceted, uh, multidiverse personality is actually where our brilliance exists. And I want to thank you on behalf of our listeners for the work that you're doing in this space of uh, helping organizations build more thriving. Uh, communities and cultures, and healthy workplace relationships, and also the work that you're doing with individuals in terms of breaking that silence on bullying. Jessica, it's an, been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Where can people find you? Yeah, if they you want can to learn find more? me at
0: bullyology.com and um, bullyology on Instagram, Facebook. You can find me at Jessica Hickman on LinkedIn, and um, my podcast is called The Bullyologist. And my book is called, it's on Amazon and most major um, book retailers and it's called The Bulliologist, Breaking the Silence on Bullying. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
1: Thank you, Jessica. It's been absolutely awesome and I look forward to seeing you again soon.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.